thanks for downloading and welcome to Take Orally, the podcast from Dream, Queen's Medical Centre, Nottingham. In this episode, we'll be discussing Red Thread. As ever, all information is correct at the time of recording. Any guidelines mentioned are correct for Nottingham University Hospital's NHS Trust. Other trust guidelines may vary. All views and opinions are the speaker's own. Hello, welcome back to Take Orally. I'm delighted that uh, we've got some special guests today. This is a special episode on the work of the charity Red Threat, who've been with us here at the QMC for a while now. Uh, I'm delighted to have uh, Freya Owen, who's a youth worker with Red Thread. Hello, Freya. Hello. I've got David Bentley, the team leader. Hello, David. Hi. And we've got Richard Botto, the program coordinator. Hello, Richard. And this isn't your full team, is it? There's uh, Salim Arusi, who is also one of the youth workers, but he's not here today. That's correct. Fantastic. Right then, uh, so some background uh, to the work of Red Thread. Um, it seems sadly that there's a, you know not a day in the media when there isn't something about knife crime and young people. And I've got the uh, the official government statistics here in front of me that uh, year on year hospital admissions due to knife crime has been increasing. Uh, last year they were up 7.6% on the year before, and then that year they were 21.7% higher than the year before. Uh, highest ever number of uh, arrests being made for knife crime and that uh, young people aged 10 to 17 uh, make up 21% of those uh, arrests. Um, so shocking statistics, uh, but, but luckily Red Thread are here to help. So uh, David, would you like to just start by letting us, you know, let us know what Red Thread is? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so Red Thread are a charity um, that um, is originally based in London in the uh, four major trauma centres there, but now they're in a fifth hospital in London. And it's the charity's mission to make sure that young people aged 11 up to 25 are safe, happy and healthy. Uh, the mission is to empower young people to thrive by integrating trauma-informed youth work into the health sector. Um, so. Uh, like I say, Redford's been in London for 12, maybe 13 years, I believe it is now, based in the uh, major trauma centres there, seeing young people uh, that are victims of youth violence. Um, we're now in Nottingham, and we've gone live in Birmingham, and uh, I don't know where we're going to go next <laughs> from here, but... Um, yeah, so Red Thread are a violence intervention project for young people that are coming through accident and emergency departments um, who have been victims of serious youth violence. Um, we have youth workers based in the emergency department that try and prevent young people from re-attending with the injuries uh, that they initially came in for. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so all the data shows that, that violence is, uh, is contagious, for want of a better word, yeah. that, that if you are a victim of violence, you're more likely to commit violence if you experience violence you're more likely to, to carry on uh, and at that moment when you are in hospital having suffered violence that, that is that key moment really to intervene and probably turn that young person's life around yeah it's what Red Thread call the teachable moment so if you're a young person you're, you're coming in with maybe horrific life changing injuries um, it can be quite a scary frightening daunting place um, you may not have been there before um, so that's where our youth workers can and hopefully um, get into that key moment, that teachable moment, that small window of opportunity to try and 
um, deter a young person from potential retaliation or try and find a, a support path to put them on um, to try and prevent them from re-attending the department and trying then to support them out in the community. Um, we work collaboratively as well in partnership with other services out in the community who are better placed to then support that young person. Mm. Uh, so whether it be social care, youth justice uh, and other community providers to try and put in kind of like a holistic package of support for a young person's experience coming through ED. Um, so, uh, Richard, you're the uh, programme coordinator. Do you mind uh, letting us know how? So, um, as David's already told us, you started off in London, then you came to Nottingham. Yeah. I imagine you didn't just rock up. Uh, you were, you know, there must have been a process there. Do you like to tell us about how you how you came over to the to the Queen's Medical Centre. So, as David said, like Redford's been established in London for well over a decade now, and has provable results in the work that they've done. Uh, and our CEO John was approached by NUH asking basically is there a similar service that will be able to provide a similar thing to what you do in London to uh, the QMC. Um, I think this was mainly led by Faisal Faruqi who is a consultant here in ED. Um, and John who is a very enthusiastic and very passionate about um, the work that Red Fred do um, basically said, no, there isn't anything outside of London. There's uh, some projects up in Glasgow, but outside of London for the rest of the UK, there isn't really anything. So from there, they got into conversations about starting a um, team outside of London for the first time. Um, and uh, our business development manager, Hannah, who's based in Newark and was commuting to London all the time, was obviously very happy about that. So <laughs> she chased down some funding from the Health Foundation and uh, also alongside our project in Birmingham, we are um, being, what's the right word, investigated or a study has been written, by, uh, written about our work for the next three years. Um, evaluation. From, yes, an yeah. evaluation from the University of Nottingham. Mm. That's how we've ended up here, basically. <laughs> so this is all evidence-based, this is all theory-based, what you're trying to do? Yeah, yeah I think yeah. Um, Nottingham also saw quite a bit of an increase in youth violence yeah. um, prior to the two years of the project being set up and also a continuation through that. Obviously, we all read about it and see about it in the media. Mm. And what was happening is kind of the same young people were coming back through the emergency departments with similar injuries. Mm. So a bit of a revolving door process. Young person comes in, let's say they've been stabbed, gets treated, goes home, happens again. Mm. So hopefully our interventions there to try and disrupt that cycle of violence. Because there's that culture, isn't there, of, of revenge, for want of a better word, isn't there? That, you know, I've been stabbed, I need to get out and, and revenge, avenge myself. So you need to break that cycle. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the day-to-day -day processes a little bit yeah. later, but if you're sat there and you've been stabbed and you're sat on a hospital ward and you've got no intervention, you've got no family or friends, because often young people are very isolated. Um, I mean, if you do have friends that are coming and saying, like, we need to get this person. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Negative yeah. peer groups kind of begging you on to do that. Yeah. Hopefully we can disrupt that and then try and make that young person thrive. Brilliant. So um, I'm really interested in, in your backgrounds and how you came to, to be part of Red Thread. So, um, uh, you know, Freya, starting with you, if you could just let us know what your background was before you came to Red Thread and how you became involved with Red Thread. Absolutely. 
My path to Red Thread began at Nottingham Trent University. I studied um, youth criminal justice there, um, which was a fabulous course. Um, that's where kind of, I've always been interested in working with people in general, but uh, this was more focused around working with young people. Um, I did several kind of placements during that course where I did work for the yacht, um, youth courts, and in targeted support. So that's where my interest, is, interest really started to begin and to flourish. Um, following university, I then went to work for a careers advice service for um, young people that were furthest away from the job market, so supporting them back into education uh, and jobs, etc. But also supporting them with a variety of other things, including housing, mental health, so um, kind of referring them out to appropriate services. Uh, and that's kind of where it led me to, to Red Thread. I thought working with young people in hospital was such a unique opportunity and experience and a real chance to engage with people in a way that you don't really get the chance to uh, anywhere else. So, yeah. Excellent. Uh, David, how about yourself? How did you come to, what was your background? How did you come to join Red Thread? Well, my story is a little bit longer than Freya, so I've got a few more, <laughs> got a few more miles on the clock. Uh, <laughs> I, um, I was a victim of great careers advice at school. Um, so I ended up becoming a travel agent after school. I uh, went to college and became a travel agent on the basis of seeing 30 girls lining up to do a course. And I thought, that looks really interesting. Let's do that. Um, from there, I kind of realised that that wasn't my passion and that wasn't where my skill set skill set and interest lie. My interest was in football and sports. So um, I went to university after a bit of a hard slog of getting up in my grades um, and did some community football coaching. Um, and I was working on some of the kind of poorest areas in Nottingham, some of the areas that I, that I lived in, I was realising there was more to life than just teaching kids how to pass a ball or how to mm. play hockey or football and things like that. These kids were coming, you know, with no food in the tummies and things like that. That's where I started getting interested in kind of the safeguarding element of work. And during that time, I kind of had a, a bit of a teachable moment myself. I was, um, I ended up in intensive care following quite a nasty injury, um, spent some time in hospital. And that's when I kind of realised, right, it's time to start thinking about your life a little bit and, yeah. start, and start wanting to help others even further. So then I went to work in a pupil referral unit, uh, working with uh, young people that have been permanently excluded from school uh, and kind of doing diversion activities with them. And then from there I started getting more involved in the more support side of things, worked in a support centre mm. in Nottingham, uh, worked my way up to team leader in there, working with some of the hardest to reach young people that you know, had substance misuse, homelessness, um, homelessness issues, just to name a few. And then I uh, went to manage another project for another charity, um, which was a participation project. So getting young people to actively have a voice and speak out and lead and steer a group. And then I saw the opportunity come up at Red Thread um, and thought, this sounds really good. This is kind of taking me back to where where all the teachable moment began. Uh, and I was lucky enough to be offered the post. And <laughs> loving it so far. Good. And Richard, yourself, your uh, your background and, and route to Red Thread? Um, not quite as inspiring as <laughs> So having a degree from a formed polytechnic university, I kind of fell into a career in recruitment following university. Uh, I worked a few places um, doing basic recruitment administration and that sort of thing. And then I ended up working um, in recruitment for NUH. Um, and I found like just working in the hospital environment rather than 
helping process people's job applications for a big company so they can make more money. I found a lot more job fulfillment knowing that I was processing job applications so nurses could go and work on the ward. So holes within the employment of the hospital could be filled basically. Yeah. Um, it was much more satisfying than what I was doing previously. So from there I went and worked for nine months for a well, the CQC, it's not going to make me any friends around the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're that guy! <laughs> uh, where, I, um, where I did administration support for hospital inspections. Uh, and then from there, I, my fixed-term contract with them was, was coming up and decided I wanted to do something a bit more uh, close to the front line where I could see more tangibly what the work that I was doing, the skill set that I've got, mm. how it's helping people. And just around that time, saw the advert for the job program coordinator with Redford. And I went for it and got it. And hey. I've been happier. And here we are. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so uh, shall we then start with really the, shall we have a look now at the, the day-to-day workings then of Redthread? Because, you know, young person has come in, uh, victim of knife crime. The, the clinician has, has seen them and from a medical point of view, they are patched up, they're, they're you know, they're okay. The referral sent to you guys, uh, and that can be a number of different ways, can't it? We, we have our own code on our, on our notice system. We can email you guys, or we can uh, use the telephone extension during uh, the hours of seven to nine, uh, seven a.m. to nine p.m. For the most part. For the most part. Um, so then, you guys have, have, have picked up that referral. What's next? What, what's what's going to happen then? So we don't just take uh, referrals to people when they've been quote unquote patched up. So um, I know. That you guys have been bedside for a few people who we've got uh, trauma bleep in our office as well so there's uh, we get bleep and we go there as soon as they attend basically mm-hmm. um, but like generally we do get either uh, referrals through the various uh, online systems or a phone call then uh, my part in the process is I will go into the uh, hospital system just check that it is a young person that fits our uh, eligibility criteria um, then if it is um, I will let David know write up a pack which will have all the key information um, just give, the, give David or the, the youth work if David isn't in uh, a quick brief of what's going on mm-hmm. and then David will either go and see the young person himself or hand it off to one of the youth workers to go and see the young person. Okay. So pass on to David then, yeah? Yeah, just, just going to know about the, the referral criteria. So obviously it's 11 to 25 up to the 25th birthday and we're working with victims of youth violence so you know often there can be things that doesn't look like a gang member or doesn't yeah. look like somebody like that but we've actually supported young people that uh, I've been what I might say black and white victims where yeah. they've been in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah. and they've got mm-hmm. no idea how to keep themselves safe and yeah. things like that so that's where that's traumatic we yeah. trauma as well I, I yeah. think generally that's kind of sometimes a bit of a misconception about our service I think we we as youth workers as, as Red Thread we support victims of youth violence and that is a huge umbrella yeah. um, and a, lot, a variety of young people come into the department that we support so yeah we've, we've told you know every staff member because we can reel off the, the referral criteria and go as victims of assaults exploitation domestic violence mm. things like that there's lots of check boxes but we've always just said that if something isn't quite sitting right yeah. with the young person in your gut just come and ask us and sure yeah. we know about organizations outside the hospital because if we're not best placed we'll, we'll find something for that young mm. person mm. Uh, but day-to-day day-to-day operations 
uh, for ourselves going bedside. I think I'll probably talk about our first trauma call. I think that's a good way of describing the day-to-day of uh, what happened. So it was probably, was it our first week? Yeah. First week of going live. Happened, yeah. yeah, we still just had the trust computer delivered. Communication, <laughs> communication was a little bit primitive. Um, but um, given that Medway logins, but we had had no training whatsoever, so we were just pointing and clicking. <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit of a touch type of thing. It was a Thursday Excellent. evening, yeah. um, around about eight o'clock, and uh, Richard, when oh guys, I think we've got a gunshot in. I was like, okay, in resource. I was like, what do we do? Uh, so we went over to resource, um, and um, it was just watching. I'm going to call it the magic unfold, even though it's in such a traumatic episode. I saw the clinicians, doctors, nurses, everybody doing their utmost to save this young man's life and then there was little old youth workers stood in the background kind of twiddling their thumbs thinking what the hell have we signed up for (laughs) Um, with all the machines beeping the noises the terminology everything running through our heads it was it was very it was quite scary for us and then um, I can't remember the clinician time just kind of pointed at us and waved us over as if say right we saved his life it's time for you guys to come over and change this young man's life Um, so I went over introduced myself um, to the young person who was obviously in quite a bit of pain, quite a bit of agony, he was about to be whisked off to surgery. So I quickly managed to get in there and just introduce my name, my role, why I'm here, what type of support we offer. And I just said, I know you're gonna go off for surgery, is it okay to catch up with you when you're out of surgery just to talk about what's happened mm-hmm. and how we can support, from, support you from this happening again. And all I got was a thumbs up and that was like, okay then, that's the teachable moment right there because I've told John this, our CEO, I didn't believe it to start with. We were our training, it's that teachable moment, it's just a slogan, it's like, just do it with Nike and stuff like that. (laughs) But it actually worked, it actually worked to see that young man just raise his hand up and and nod to me and go, please come and talk to me. And we did and we put a program of intervention in. During that time as well, we engaged with his family because the police were bedside and taking his clothing, his mobile phone, and dad didn't understand why this was happening. So my colleague was able to explain to dad and and get dad's contact details and just try and normalize a very stressful situation. Mm. Mm. Um, So then on in, we obviously um, followed the young man to to the wards he got discharged to. And we talked about what had happened, why he was here, and what support would prevent him from being here. Um, and then decided and mutually agreed on some actions about mm. what we can do to prevent him from coming back. And uh, I think he spent a good chunk of time in hospital. We put a lot of work in place for that for that young man. Uh, I think Freya's probably got some good examples of where your work has extended out in the community quite a bit and you've got some absolute outstanding results in terms of you know rehousing young people and things mm. like that so I think I'll, I'll, I'll be quite <laughs> afraid of that. Yeah I think what we haven't said as well is a big thing about well probably have said it but a big thing about what we do with young people is around their safety and safety plans mm. in the hospital so the bedside interventions that we do are around um, how we can keep them safe whilst they're in hospital but of course also when they leave. 
Um, so as David was saying, some of the examples that I can give around young people that I've worked with, uh, they've outright told me that um, them being discharged from hospital is going to put them in danger basically and, and they need some support around that. Now we are able as an organisation to sit with that young person and to support them and find out what we can do to best uh, move them forward and a lot of the time that is housing. Now housing is, is, is difficult in itself to organise for anybody um, who, you know, um, but we managed to, uh, for some young people, um, rehouse them into places away from where their area of danger, their danger zone. So we do that as part of the safety plan uh, whilst in the hospital with the young person as we work out what locations and places are unsafe for that young person and we work out if possible where we can move them to, you know, where possible. Um, yeah. But we have been able to do that and uh, also alongside that there's a lot of trauma and traumatic stresses that happen to the young person after they're discharged and um, we are able to support young people with counselling uh, and just also as youth workers we create bonds with these young people and we are able to kind of give them emotional support along the way as well and yeah. find uh, other organisations that are best placed to support them with other things as well. Yeah I suppose it's little things that perhaps people around the table now take for granted on a day-to-day -day basis that sometimes young people have never had in their lives like just talking to somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Like sometimes I can remember buying a young person a newspaper to read while I was on the ward and he was just over the moon mm. with his newspaper. It was just kind of like revolution, revolutionised his life and also brought a young man a sticker book, a football sticker book, because it was interesting football. It was the only magazine that was available in the shop in the QMC at the time. I thought he's probably going to punch me in the face because he's 21 years old. Brought him a sticker book and he was just, his eyes lit up and he was there talking about swaps and stickers and things like that. And he just said, God, God, me. Yeah, it's kind of the, uh, the the big wins that Prey has talked about in terms of getting people rehoused or accessing counselling, but also just the smaller yeah. smaller aspects of just a general conversation yeah. and how we, are you doing yeah. and things like and that. And we have found that you know the majority of people that we've engaged with have just want, when we sit down and speak to them and give them some time um, and speak to them about the what's happened to them, what how they see their future, etc. They, they want to talk to you, they want to tell you how they yeah. feel, they want to kind of um, engage with you so it's been really kind of amazing to see and to witness and to be a part of as a youth worker um, mm. the engagement that you have with the young people that come into the department. It's eye-opening about how some young people live their lives if it's as simple as buying a newspaper is, is a shock to them. That's, mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, so finally just before we wrap up any for, for any uh, you know uh, clinicians having listened to this podcast who may see somebody who uh, a young person who they think has been a victim of violence any sort of advice about how to start breaching the subject about referring to you guys rather than it just being a big surprise when you you're there you know are there any any advice that you can give um, I would always say never judge a book by its cover the old age expression you know a young person categorically coming in with a hoodie might not necessarily be a hoodie as, as, as <laughs> we were once told um, always if in doubt ping us an email or go through the referral channels um, give young people a bit of time as well I know everybody's really stressed and busy and things like that but if, if you just generally ask them how did this happen and how are you doing and how are you feeling and things like that it will go a long, a long, long way um, and also sometimes just understand that young people don't understand the terminology and mm. some of the slang that is spoken in hospitals we don't and we've been here six months and I, I, <laughs> I'm 
I'm rude enough to say what or what does that mean and things like that a young person might just nod because they might feel quite shy or embarrassed yeah. and you know a little bit out of place but I've always said from day one no referral is a bad referral because we'll always signpost on it yeah. if they don't meet our criteria um, yeah as, as the person who deals with the referrals I'd we'd much rather receive five referrals for people that don't fit our criteria than miss one person so okay. if you're in doubt just send the referral through mm. like our perfect if we felt the referral process in place would be one we'd be getting a referral from the ambulance we'd get a referral from ED and a referral from the major trauma wards once they get up there it's all for the same person and it'll take us time to get through it but at least we're, yeah. we're covering those young people there mm. Yeah, and we'll always, I mean, if we're, if we're in during our working hours, we'll always do our utmost to see young people in the hospital because that's a priority. Mm. But like Richard said, we'll always follow up a referral and make sure um, that a young person is contacted and got the safe and sound support. What I will say is always check that they've got the right phone number. Um, oh, yeah. Good way to catch a young person out is ask them to repeat their number to you. Uh, so if they say, what's your phone number? They read it, say, could you just say that again? And very rarely will someone be able to give you a fake number twice if they've just made it up in their head. Um, I like that, that's a good tactic. Yeah, it is a good <laughs> and crafty tactic and uh, one of our colleagues in London, uh, Ebony, taught us that one. So we're stopping it from her. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, anything else you want to talk about, guys? I'd just like to say a big thank you. We feel very welcome here. Oh. We feel very well integrated. Um, and yeah, it's been great so far. So thank you very much. Uh, and who else do we need to credit for Red Thread coming over? So we've talked about John Faisal, Matt Tinsley, one of yeah. our band yeah. uh, sevens, did a lot of work as well. Yeah. Um, Hannah Roberts, well, no, Hannah Gates, who's our business development manager. Um, Basically everybody at Red Thread <laughs> and, and NUH yeah. because everyone has been outstanding. There's not been a day where we felt out of place, no. like I referenced when we first went into resource. Everyone's so welcoming, welcoming yeah. and accommodating. Um, mm. It's just, we feel at home here, yeah. uh, we feel oh. supported. It's, it's just really nice and we feel part of the team and we just want to support everyone in, in what we're doing and vice versa really just want to help out fantastic and if there's anybody from another trust having a listen to this who's thinking hang on i like the sound of this um who should they get in touch with um it would be hannah hannah mm -hmm. yates is probably the um master of setting up uh, <laughs> hospitals outside setting up red red outside of london um so if someone wants to email um ourselves and we can pass that on to Hannah. Um, I can't remember the red thread email. Uh, red thread at nuh.nhs.uk. Cool. Certainly. Or if anybody ever wants to come in shadow or learn more or go to mm. teaching days and talk a little bit about what mm. we do and how we do it um, or about how to engage with young people and just give us a shout. Fantastic. And your website is www.redthread.org.uk. Yes. And you're all across social media as well. Yeah. I understand. Yes. And we do give out curly whirlies and lanyards sometimes. Yeah. I was going to say, I've had a lanyard. I've not had a curly whirly. I mean, it's a lovely lanyard. Thank you for the lanyard. But I haven't. Something edible. When we were doing the curly whirly thing, we got a referral to someone who came in for a stab who was in resource. Um, and then you went down to see them and then uh, had to go off to a ward or something. I was in the office of my own and got a phone call from the nurse that, like, outraged. <laughs> I hope you get a curly whirly if, uh, 
Are you going to make your own barrels? That's truck out to recess to a curly We have found out that curly whirly seem to be currency yeah. in the QMC, almost like, like cigarettes it. in prison. So, yeah, 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 I, I, I got a load of Aldi knockoff chocolate bars and brought them in, and no one was interested. Has <laughs> <laughs> to be curly whirly. We will stock up on the curly whirlies, and we are getting pens and other freebies yeah, as well. Last night, last night, we're just going live and we'll have. Thank you to yourself as well, Jamie, for giving us the opportunity. No, thank you very much. And I know we're going to do some more uh, podcasts as well. And this yeah. is just the, this is our introductory episode. But thank you so much for coming along. Um, and obviously, yeah, keep an eye out for for Red Thread and all the media. And uh, thank thank you so much. Thank cool. you. Thank you, thank thank you, you for that was the Take Orally Red Thread podcast. As ever, the blog entry for this podcast can be found at www.takeorally.com. Take Orally can be found on both iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information about Red Thread, check them out at www.redthread.org.uk. Remember that NUH Dream can be found on both Facebook and Twitter.